You know, I've been uh, very blessed in my life that uh, sometimes I get these uh, great, what I think are great ideas, and I have very, you know, my filter is not exactly um, up to par, so I have a tendency not to think sometimes before I speak, and I'll have like this great idea, and I'll run out and tell somebody, and then like 12 hours later, I'm thinking like, oh my God, that was a terrible idea. And I've already like told somebody, but you know, the Lord has always protected me from myself. I must admit, cause you know, I had this brilliant idea yesterday and I, I probably didn't even tell you guys this cause most of you would have applauded this brilliant idea, but I thought maybe I, I just need uh, more time on the air with everything that's happening with them shutting down conservative speech and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and that can't happen. <laughs> and I'm just grateful that it can't happen. Um, it's better to want it. But what I think I will be doing in the, the weeks to come is I will be um, sort of imitating or piggybacking off of some of the great legends ahead of me, like Michael Savage, and I will be doing um, more podcasting. So you can look forward to that. You'll be able to not just, you know, if you heard my show, you can get more if you want it on a, on a podcast later. So, so I'm, I'm mulling that around in my head. I, I promised myself that I would give myself a week to think about it. Cause again, I'm always like, Oh, I gotta do this. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I gotta do it right now. And then like, you know, tonight I'll be like, wait a minute, am I going to do that? So I'm, I'm just giving you like the heads up. I'm thinking about that. Brennan, the, you know, my, my, well, he's my advisor in so many ways. It's, you know, great, really crazy when you, you know, you're there when somebody gets their start in your industry and not really, cause he got his start in college, but I was there when he got his like first, um, professional job. And now he's like my boss. He's the you know assistant PD of the station and uh, it couldn't be anybody better. But what's great about Brennan is he knows me upside down, inside out. He knows every, you know, wart and every uh, beauty mark. And he is my greatest advocate and my harshest critic when he needs to be. So when I run stuff by him or he runs stuff by me, it generally is well thought out on his part, not necessarily on mine. So um, this was his brainchild, and I might uh, actually think about doing that. Actually, I'm thinking about it. I just have to figure out how, what, what the content is. Like, like um, you know, part of me wants to do something completely different, you know, instead of politics. But, you know, the other part of me says, why? <laughs> There's so much to talk about. Ted Nugent wrote the president-elect Joe Biden a letter that got, um, just went viral, completely viral on the internet yesterday. But uh, I'm going to share it with you because it'll probably get censored. You know, don't forget that uh, social media and the and the uh, mainstream media are working tirelessly to suppress opinions that they don't agree with, you know, and that uh, don't have the New World Order's big reset at their forefront. So um, while we're watching the death knell of free speech, when you happen to be a person who doesn't like the ideology that's being proffered now in this country, conformity, political mass indoctrination. If you don't like that, it, your speech could very well be censured or censored in the near future. I mean, they're trying to like censure Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley for exercising their constitutional duty. Uh, I, believe me, th there's so much to talk about that if I had, you know, 
unlimited time on the air. I, I couldn't get to it all. But here's the letter that Ted Nugent wrote. And I share it because I'm really worried it'll get taken down. He says, Dear Vice President Biden, although I refuse to listen to it, I understand that during your presidential acceptance speech, you were calling for the unity of Trump supporters. I remember four years ago, my president, Trump, also called for unity. I remember how congressional members of your Democratic Party responded by boycotting his inauguration. I remember how you and your Democratic Party cheated and used the greatest law enforcement institution of this country to spy on my President Trump's campaign. I remember how you and your Democratic Party created a fake Russian dossier to try and impeach my President Trump. I remember how your Speaker of the House ripped up my President Trump's beautiful State of the Union speech on national TV. I remember how you and your Democratic Party tried to impeach my President Trump over a Ukraine phone call. You accused my President Trump of pay to play. Come to find out, Joe, it was really you and your son, Hunter. I remember how you and your Democratic Party blamed my President Trump over a pandemic that he had nothing to do with. I remember how you and your Democratic Party encouraged rioting and looting of my great United States of America. I remember how you and your Democratic Party used the media to spread lie after lie about my President Trump. I remember how you and your Democratic Party stole an election. This Trump supporter remembers all that, Joe, and will not be unifying with your Democratic Party. Your abject criminal dishonesty is treasonous. You belong in prison along with the rest of the swamp, Ted Nugent. And, you know, Ted is not one to exercise any restraint in his... Uh, his online presence, his tweets, and his Facebook posts. So how long do you think he'll be allowed to, uh, to be on these social media platforms? I'm guessing not much longer. Um, I had gotten on the, on the phone with my friend who has prevailed at the Supreme Court, Fane Lozman, twice. Not once, but twice. Almost unheard of. And uh, he was trying to convince me that I should go back on Twitter because I had deactivated my account and that I should get suspended or permanently banned, and that then we could take the case to the uh, Supreme Court. And, of course, I'm a personality on a media platform, so I, I, the rules are different for me. But I really, you know, I have no desire to go back on Twitter. I'm delighted to see that their stock fell 12.5% yesterday. Um, I hope it plummets into the toilet. I hope their entire operation goes bust. Not because, um, you know, I'm a person who calls for boy boycotts. I never do. I share with you what I'm doing, and then you can make up your own minds about what you want to do. Um, but I'm pushing back on all of these, you know, we know how, how much the struggle is for me with Amazon, but I got to tell you, I, can't, I just can't. He, he, Jeff Bezos literally is shutting down servers so that conservatives like Parler uh, don't have a place where they can exist. You know, he's bankrupting them. He's, he's driving them out of business. So, I, you know, I, I'm just not willing to sacrifice my freedoms for the ease and comfort of uh, Prime. You know, it's, it certainly was a brilliant idea. He certainly sucked us all in, but I can just as easily walk away from it. I remember the one year that I took off from any products that were made in China. And I thought at the beginning of the year, I said, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Everything's made in China. I'll never be able to do a whole year like this. And it ended up being one of the best years of my life. And I am very minimal in any goods from China to this day because 
You know, I, I'm just not going to support a brutal regime that kills Uyghurs and imprisons them and, uh, you know, that wreaked havoc in Tibet. I don't have to. There's, there's alternatives. You know, I can buy my books at other store outlets, you know, I can uh, continue to support the vendors that I've learned to, you know, buy buy through Amazon. All of those vendors have the ability for me to buy without Amazon being in the deal at all. And I want Jeff Bezos to pay for what he has done. I don't know that he isn't too big to ever ha- pay for it, but I'm going to do the best I can. I can only do what I can do. I can only take away my business. I can't take away everybody's business. And that's a decision you're all going to have to make on your own. You know, I I had pretty much distanced myself from Amazon, but I still had a couple of these revolving things, whatever they are, subscriptions, and I was letting them run, but I'm done. You know, I'm just done. So I strongly suggest that everybody think about where they spend their money, because the only power we have is in the support of these mega companies that are literally violating every antitrust, uh, you know, law that exists with absolutely no, um, nobody overseeing it. And if you think the Democrats who are going to be taking over these committees are going to oversee this, you know, then I got a, a piece of submerged land to sell you somewhere out in the Everglades, in Belglade or somewhere. But, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there because my friend Fain actually has figured out a way to make money on submerged land. So maybe that's not a good analogy to use anymore. Anyway, uh, I got a lot to get through today, and I do have one guest who's coming on in the next segment. So let me take a quick break, and when we come back, I'll be speaking with P- Patricia Anwaka from the um, Independent Women's Forum about this whole censorship issue. She's got an interesting take. Stay right where you are. Back, Joyce Kaufman with you, and I have an opportunity right now to speak with a senior policy analyst at the Independent Women's Forum. Patrice Anwuka is a commentator, and she's a senior fellow with the Philanthropy Roundtable and a Tony Blankley fellow at the Steamboat Institute. And you've got to be as upset as I am today watching this crackdown on people's freedom of speech. How are you? Uh, I'm doing so well, Joyce, and, and I am absolutely as upset as you are. Uh, I'm one of many people who has noticed on Twitter, for example, that I've lost a, a significant number of followers, and, and we now know why. Not only was President Trump banned from Twitter, um, but uh, Twitter banned over 70,000 accounts as well uh, since late last week. And so I wrote for FoxNews.com about this purge of conservative voices, and it shouldn't just be concerning to conservatives. It should be concerning to every American. Yeah, because it really is. And I, I read your article and I've read some commentary that you've you've made. And the, the, the this whole cancel culture thing is so rampant right now. Um, people are being denied jobs or being fired from their jobs, teachers having to answer for what they do in their free time. And, and I'm really fearful. I mean, obviously, my whole... Uh, gig for the last 30 years is everybody knows what I'm thinking at all times. Um, And it's no secret what my political views are. And it's no secret that I've been a a big supporter of President Trump's policies. And so, you know, I I had to deactivate all my accounts. I don't want to be taken down. I'd rather just walk away. 
Well, and it, it's unfortunate that so many people who support President Trump and his policies feel that way. I mean, as an organization, we don't support any particular candidate, um, but we absolutely recognize good policies. And when you look, when we reflect over the past four years, mm-hmm. everything from tax cuts to you know almost every uh, per- person who gets a paycheck, you know. Supreme Court justices, um, federal judges, historic peace deals across the Middle East and North Africa, uh, criminal justice reform uh, that released uh, over a thousand black men. It's been remarkable. And so I think it's it's hard because now we are understanding that individuals like you, like me, like many others, whether you supported President Trump or just the administration and what they did, are suddenly going to become targets. Um, big tech, uh, it's unfortunate that they are using their, their platforms to wield this retribution, I think, against, uh, conservatives. Um, but we're seeing it, this woke culture, cancel culture, coming after people who worked for the Trump administration saying, hey, don't hire them in future jobs. This is not, this is a, we live in America, a place where, um, you know, you shouldn't, your, your political views shouldn't stop you from rising, from finding work, uh, and from having a voice. Yeah. Look, uh, I, I think you're from the Caribbean, as, I, as am yeah. I. Yeah. You know, my background is Puerto Rican, and my grandmother, okay. my grandmother picked cotton, not cotton, mm. picked uh, sugarcane. And on a plantation in Puerto Rico, you know, much wow. like American, you know, black Americans were picking cotton in, in uh, cotton fields in the South. And so yeah. they came to America to have the freedom for her children, m- meaning my mother, to get a high school diploma, for my mother's mm-hmm. children, meaning me, to go to college and graduate school, and then for my children, the fourth generation, they're doctors and lawyers now. Wow. Uh, that's the American dream, not this, you know, you have to agree with the, the prevailing attitudes of, of Hollywood. That, that was never the American dream we were seeking. Well, exactly. I mean, my parents came to this country 30 years ago. I, I was a little girl in socks and barrettes in my hair, and, and they came because of opportunity for us. They wanted us to be able to achieve everything they know they knew they couldn't, um, staying on a tiny island in the Caribbean. And so, you know, it, it, we, we come here for opportunity, for freedom, um, and, and when we see the erosion of freedom by people who claim to be suppressing, they, they want to stop oppression, they want to stop fascism, Fascism, but they themselves are suppressing. They are are are, are being authoritarians, um, saying that what you think is not right, and if you don't agree with me, if you don't think like me, then you need to be silenced. Um, and and they will use whatever tools they can to to silence us. And and you know it, it's so important that we speak out, that we call it out, um, and that when we see others, uh, you know, other other org- individuals. Um, being targeted, that we stand up for them because one day it's conservatives, the next day you never know what minority group is going to be targeted. Absolutely. I I was reading something this morning, I think it was even in the Washington Post, which I don't read unless something catches my attention, and it was about a uh, case where a college had shut down some Christian speech. It was actually a young Mm. man from Nairobi who was just using the areas that were allotted for him to speak in, which were minimal anyway. Um, And they they said he could no longer talk about his being born again and a Christian. You know, Uh. this country was founded so that people who believed in Christ could worship the way they wanted to. 
Mm-hmm. And people who believe in Christ and people who don't. Right. Uh, people who are atheists could, could um, you know, whatever exercise of, of, um, of a higher power they want to appeal to, they have that right. And, and again, it is scary when we hear um, this woke culture. It started in academia. Yes. Uh, and, and professors have done a great job in brainwashing so many young people to think that you are morally superior if you agree with our um, worldview. And that anyone who does not, they, they, they don't even, they shouldn't even have a voice in society. So now you've got a generation of young people who've been trained to think this way. They're now in the workplace. They're demanding of their employers that you've got to bow down to the God of, of, of political correctness and of wokeness. And if you don't, then we are going to, you know, push you. We're going to use culture, social media and cancel culture to say, you know, don't um, buy your products. We're going we're gonna to use our internal power and external power. And unfortunately, this is the, the situation, the society that we're in. And I'll tell you, um, folks, if you're listening out there, uh, listen to um, Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo. He talked about this just yesterday, saying yeah. we need to see wokeness, wokeism, um, be, go, go to sleep. I would take it one step further, and I say we need to see wokeism die, because if we don't, our freedoms, our freedom to think differently, to, to pursue whatever we see as, as life, liberty, and happiness, that will disappear. You know, and, and I, it's anecdotal, but I look at my own life. You know, I happen to be in a interracial marriage. My children mm-hmm. are interracial. My, my grandchildren are, are biracial. And I, I look out at what's going on and I get an email from my daughter who is, you know, a doctor. So obviously nothing has stood in the way of her success in America. Mm-hmm. And she, she wants me to read White Fragility. Um, you know, by by D'Angelo. And I said, you know, Jen, I, I interviewed that woman. Um, this is a crock of crap. How could you ask me to do that? Do you think I actually have some inherent racism? Look at our lives. and But they're just so brainwashed. You know, she went to mm. Columbia and Stanford. I didn't stand the chance. Well, it's frustrating. It really is. Now, I know you also write a column, The New Agenda for Black Women. How'd you feel about yes. the cover of Vogue magazine with the, uh, you know, Converse sneakers? Apparently, people are saying it was racist. Uh, oh, um, uh, Vice President-elect um, Kamala Harris wearing Converse sneakers on right. the cover. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, to me, the bigger deal is that they, Vogue and every other women's magazine is going to, to plaster her on their covers for the next four years. And for the past four years, we have not seen any conservative women in power, including the first lady of the United States on their covers, a woman who is a uh, noted fashion model who's been on the covers of their magazines previously, you know, before uh, she got the the last name Trump. Um, So, hey, if they want to put Kamala Harris on there with sneakers and whether it's racist or not, honestly, I don't care. What I do care about, though, um, Joyce, is the what we call it independent women's form progressive privilege, which is that they demean, belittle and silence conservative women. They pretend we don't exist. 
but they blow up the and 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 and, and, and herald all of the good things of, of liberal left-leaning women. And I think that there is so much hypocrisy there that it's nauseating. You know, if you're a young girl, if you're a college student, if you're a high school young woman, we should be they should be able to look up to Nikki Haley just like they look up to Kamala Harris. They should be yeah. able to look up to um, Dr. Condoleezza Rice, even as they look up to um, Susan Rice. So, the, you know, it's, it's, it's really removing the blinders, uh, the, po- the politics, the political lens that everyone seems to, to look through, and even some of that race lens that is just overlaid over everything as well these days. And recognizing women of accomplishment, they are on every side of the aisle. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have bigger problems coming because not only is it going to be race, but now um, we can't even identify by gender. So, you know. Oh, boy. Yes. Apparently there's not there's more than two genders. I, I didn't know God created more than two, but apparently there are. Yes. And, you know, I've been competing with men all my life, but now I'm I'm really, cha- you know, challenged because I'm worried they're going to turn into women. And then who am I going to compete with? But anyway, thank you so much, Patrice, for coming on. I appreciate your insight. Always a pleasure. Take care. Thank you so much. And folks can visit IWF to read this my piece and, and, and others by the other scholars there. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Megan Fox, I think, has a has a great. Oh, yeah. Who is it? Um, I think it was Charlotte Hayes wrote a great piece on this transgenderism thing. All right. Thanks a lot, Patrice. All right. We've got to take a quick break. Uh, Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So, you know, your uh, freedom-loving country is in deep doo-doo. When you got, you know, people from outside of the country condemning these social media platforms for what they've done. I mean, when Angela Merkel weighs in on the banning of President Trump. She don't even like President Trump. I'm sure she couldn't wait till he was gone and out of her hair. And even she said, what, what is this? What, what would possess a country that's built on, on the premise that all people are created equal and should have access to conversation? And, you know, I got into an argument just uh, yesterday, not at yeah, it was an argument. I'm going to call it what it was. It was an argument about like, well, there are limits to free speech and there, you know, you, you can't run around yelling fire in a theater. Um, that's not what was happening on Twitter. Nobody was yelling fire that I know of, uh, you know, from the Trump team or Trump himself or any other conservatives weren't yelling, uh, go to the Capitol building and invade it. Nowhere did I see anything like that. I heard about peaceful protests. I heard about take a march down there. Pretty much, uh, you know, much less uh, stringent uh, or strident is the right word, much less strident conversations that I heard all last four years where I had Maxine Waters telling people, you need to get out and get in their face. Let them know they're not welcome anywhere. And people were literally going up to uh, members of the cabinet, members of uh, who, who just worked for the Trump administration, like the press secretary, um, and, and forcing them out of restaurants. Uh, uh, you know, that apparently was not a big deal. You know, um, you know occupying... Areas of uh, major cities, including police stations, apparently that's, that doesn't bother them. But it bothers them if Donald Trump should make a speech and 
somewhere down the, the line, uh, crazy people stormed the Capitol building. And first and foremost, the more we hear about this and the more I read about this, the more uh, incredible it is how many people are being literally fired because apparently um, they were not just accommodating these madmen that were trying to run and, and women that were trying to rush into the Capitol building. They were aiding and abetting them. I'm talking about, you know, the, the thin blue line that's there for defense apparently uh, weren't opposed to this invasion taking place. Now, there could be many reasons for that. They could be in agreement that the government is uh, with those rogues who, you know, look, do I think government is in, you know, uh, in terrible repair? Yes. Do I think we're getting ripped off and, and, and fooled every single day and lied to? Yes. Would I invade the Capitol building? No. No. Uh, I would march in front of it. I would march up to it. But no, I wouldn't break windows and I wouldn't jump in. And neither would 99% of Trump supporters. They would not do that. Much like 99% of people who support the BLM movement, first and foremost, don't know much about it. And second, are simply attached to what they think is a phrase that they agree with, which is Black Lives Matter. I don't think anybody disagrees with that phrase. And I think if you give things a, a name like that, um, you should be okay. One would think the name Make America Great Again wouldn't be so offensive that it is literally banned in places, but it is. You know, one would think that calling for, um, I think it was, uh, what's his name, Cory Booker, the senator from New Jersey, calling for people to take to the streets. You know, I would think that that would be as serious a matter as Donald Trump saying, march up to the Capitol building, not break into it, but march up to it. But it isn't. And now I'm listening to, uh, you know, guys from Russia. Now, granted, this is the guy that Vladimir Putin tried to poison last year. He pointed out that um, this was an open election process that ousted Mr. Trump. But the social media decisions to deplatform him deplatform him rather, and other elected officials, those are arbitrary. Those are not uh, the people's will. And, and he said, don't tell me he was banned for violating Twitter rules. I get death threats here every day for many years, and Twitter doesn't ban anyone. This is uh, Alexei Navalny, the Russian democracy advocate. He added that while Twitter is a private company, we have seen many examples in Russian and China of such private companies becoming the state's best friends and enablers when it comes to censorship. Look, all I can say is that if they hadn't been as bold and in your face as they were, that's Google and Apple and uh, Twitter and Facebook and all joined together and made it very clear that they were going to take this political position to the final stage of literally banning certain kinds of political speech. And they had just, you know, tried to continue with this slow um, leaking. We probably wouldn't, we probably would have ridden on this tire a lot longer. But because they just stuck a knife into it by doing what they did to Parler, withdrawing the cloud service, taking their apps off of their stores, 
we couldn't help but notice. Nobody, including the ACLU, who hates the way um, conservatives think. Even they are terrified that this kind of policy will inevitably come back to bite you because it's true. You know, first they came for the communists. I wasn't a communist, so I didn't say anything. Then they came for the, you know, the the labor unions. I wasn't in a labor union, so I didn't say anything. Then they came for the conservatives, and because I wasn't a conservative, I didn't say anything. And then they came for me, is what you're going to hear. And when they do, it'll be too late to fix it. You know, um, Imagine saying that parlor host material that encourages violence. I went back over uh, some screenshots that I had saved of things that I saw on parlor, things that I thought were interesting, not, not violence in necessarily, but, but things that seemed to be sort of edgy and maybe uh, borderline um, encouragements or enthusiasms. And they weren't from Trump, by the way. They were from people who I don't know. But I would screenshot them, and I've screenshot lots of, uh, you know, horrible things on Twitter, including literally, you know, calls for underage girls. I mean, all kinds of disgusting stuff goes on on Twitter, and I've screenshotted that as well. But for some reason, that's less offensive to Jack Dorsey than the president's, you know, even the president's conciliatory tweets are too much for Jack Dorsey. What this man has done, President Trump, by becoming the target, and, and look, you know, my friend and I were talking the other day, if you have still not read Rules for Radical, then you don't understand what's going on. If you haven't um, literally studied that handbook that Alinsky put together, then you don't understand what has just happened. And trust me, Alinsky... Uh, thought it would be too difficult to actually pull off. But he did lay out the plan, and they did follow the playbook. And we are now in the most ridiculous position that I've ever seen, where you could be a former Twitter CEO, Chief Executive Officer Dick Costello, who last year posted that Me First Capitalists capitalists would be the first people lined up against the wall and shot in the revolution. That's still up. Okay. That's still up. But you know, the president is, has been banned for life. And now do I think that parlor has a more relaxed, uh, content moderation moderators or whatever, you know, team I do, I do. That was deliberate. That was deliberate. And when they saw what happened on Wednesday, they doubled up on their moderators, who, who, by the way, are volunteer moderators. They call them jurors. So instead of them having a vested interest rather in parlor succeeding or failing, um, they are more inclined to be open-minded. They're not getting paid, and they are just looking at things as objectively as they can. They have more than a 1,000 people who are jurors at Parler. But because they've become this political target, you know, what are they supposed to do? Sociologists have documented how America's political tribes increasingly shop at different stores. We live in different places, different states, different cities. We have different tastes. And that, my friends, is what helped Donald Trump get elected to the presidency. And that, my friends 
is why if they do this, and they've done it already, but if they continue to do this and they don't back away from this policy, and I'm talking Twitter, I'm talking uh, Amazon, I'm talking Facebook, I'm talking about all of them, all right? Um, If they don't back away from this, you watch. That political segregation of the internet is going to get wider and wider. Conservatives are going to withdraw from Twitter and Facebook in record. They've already withdrawn for, you know, to a great extent, but now they will just, they'll just flee because it's too, it's too dangerous an environment for someone like me. I'm not going on there. I'm not. First of all, I don't support them. I don't want them to get richer. And second of all, who knows who's, who's tracking me and who's going to, uh, you know, Patrice talked about losing followers. I lost, uh, you know, how many, uh, I, I think I lost almost 8,000 followers. You know, I'm down to like a, a number that I, I think I had when I first started on Twitter. So, so everybody that was following me that has been banned is gone. You know, so I didn't do anything. And, and I still had to pay a price. I still had to suffer some kind of consequence. And trust me, we just saw them black out all the reporting on Hunter Biden in the run-up to an election, okay? Now, think about that. These gatekeepers on the web literally set out to destroy a, a viable presidential uh, election, one candidate, because he did not agree with their views. You know, dissenting opinion's not going away just because uh, the tech CEOs ban it. The views are just going to go underground. They're going to get more radicalized. They're going to get more frustrated, and they are going to burst open into the streets, and perceived political abuses by tech firms are going to become a major engine of the populism movement in the 21st century that was started um, it probably, I forgot who my guest was yesterday who said that um, it probably started really with Pat Buchanan. Um, and here you are 25 years later and we have learned nothing. Silicon Valley is dominated by liberals. You look at the numbers of uh, donations and they've got a whole party that's applauding their blacklists, the Democrat Party, And with all the pounding they did on Mark Zuckerberg, threatening him if he didn't censor political content they didn't like, he stood up for about uh, 30 minutes, and now he has folded as well. These may be private companies, but their censorship at the behest of a, uh, a government body raises some significant moral and legal issues. In Marsh versus Alabama back in 1946, the Supreme Court ruled that a privately owned town couldn't restrict the distribution of religious materials because the company was a de facto government. So tech firms that dominate the flow of information in this country and censor at the behest of Democrats, they deserve First Amendment scrutiny. And the lockstep tech banning of parlor probably violates antitrust laws. That's the truth. So now, when you don't like what your opposition has to say, don't debate them. Just shut them down. All right, stay right where you are. When we be back, we'll come back, and I will wrap this up. And don't forget, following this uh, show at 1 o'clock, Dana Lash comes your way. At 3 o'clock, Ben Shapiro. And now at 5 o'clock, um, Matt Walsh, is it? 
<laughs> feel like I don't really remember. I think it's Matt Walsh comes on at 5 o'clock. And then we start the whole thing over again in the morning with Jen and Bill at 6 o'clock. I know Karen is a happy camper because Alabama won, but I suspect that Jennifer Ross is morbidly depressed because her Ohio team, well, somebody has to lose, right? Anyway, I didn't want to let the uh, entire show go by without uh, mentioning that a Zionist, Jewish giant, Sheldon Adelson, uh, did pass away. This is a man who had a great love for not just Israel, but for America and, and humanity and the people he shared the planet with. He especially admired people whom he called great humanitarians. A, and people don't even know that every year he and his wife, who was a physician, uh, Dr. Miriam Adelson, funded hundreds of millions of dollars of medical research to fight cancer, heart disease, and you name it, they, they put money into research. His director for medical research uh, said that Sheldon and Miri's devotion to stamping out disease was almost as great as their unbounded love of Israel and the Jewish people. They also established the Dr. Miri and Sheldon Adelson Medical School in Ariel, Israel, and he was a major contributor to Wounded Warriors, um, and just devoted husband and, and father. His family was the apple of his eye. And uh, just, just uh, you know, his passing is remarkable. He always told a, a story, and by the way, he was a great supporter of President Trump. He always told a story about how in his family there was always a pushka. And I always tell you that story. I always tell it to my church, too. I grew up, and we were poor, but we had a little yellow uh, jar. I still have it to this day. And my father would make me, if I got, you know, a dollar for, for a gift or my allowance or whatever it was, he would make me put 10 cents into the pushka, the charity box, every day. And, you know, I was poor, so I was saying to my, you know, I would say to my father, why am I, why do I have to give some of what little I have to the pushka? And he said, there's always somebody poorer than you, and you've got to help them. You have to help others. Um, and I never forgot that because I once heard Sheldon give that, say that in a speech about watching his family who were poor do that. Of course, he didn't stay poor. He became one of the biggest casino magnates in the, wor in the world. And uh, again, a great supporter of Israel and a, a very fine, fine human being. So um, this has been one of those years. Don't forget that if you um, missed any portion of today's show or yesterday's show or any show, that you can go to 850wftl.com slash Joyce and listen to a podcast, or you can share those podcasts with people who you think really need to hear some of the things that I talk about and that we all need to be talking about right now. And while I am considerably calmer than I was yesterday, you have no idea how upset I have been for the last uh, 72 hours and how I'm not really sure how this story ends, but I have seen it play out before, and it never ends well. So you, you, have, to make, you have to make every effort to do what, you're, what you can to push back against all of this governmental interference, all of this corporate interference with your freedoms, because trust me, 
that First Amendment preserves all of the other amendments. And that Second Amendment preserves that First Amendment. And they're coming for us. They really are. Uh, so we got to be prepared. And we have to, I think, in final days of this administration, we have to thank President Trump, who took the hits for us for four years. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, I will be back tomorrow at noon, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Lord, we need you, and we need you to show up now. <laughs>